You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Good morning, church. It's great to be here today. Uh, We are, if you've got a copy of God's Word, why don't you turn with me to Acts uh, 28. That's where we're going today. Acts 28, which is the last chapter in the book of Acts. And that also means that this is the last sermon in this year-long series, which began way back in September. So we've walked through 28 chapters together. We've seen the indomitable, unstoppable power of God, the tested perseverance of his church, and the powerful witness of the Holy Spirit all as he has grown his people. Now, the the book of Acts spans only 30 years of church history. But in that time, we have seen shaking fishermen anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit and standing up to religious authorities. We've seen them healing the sick and, and the first followers to lose their lives, and yet they continued to speak the message of hope as thousands and thousands come to Christ. We've seen this message break out beyond national walls and reach neighboring countries. We've seen a hardened heart, the hardest heart, become blind on a road only to see for the very first time. And then we've seen this same man picked up and taken to the Gentiles from the common folk all the way up to kings with this same message of hope. We've seen prisons broken from the inside with a song. We've been in riots, we've been in beatings, and last week we were in a shipwreck, and yet we have seen life after life come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And through the whole book, through this whole book of the acts of the Holy Spirit, we have seen his power to change hearts, his power to strengthen believers, his power to fill them with incredible boldness, and this week is no different, even as we finish our series together. Here's the big encouragement for us today as we see and consider again. It's this, the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Now hold on a second, because I just said something profound. It's not my truth, it's God's truth. Maybe you're missing something. I, I said something very, very true, and if you let it, it will be very, very encouraging. But I think sometimes we forget that the kingdom of God can be stopped. We, we forget. Let me put it this way. I don't watch a ton of sports. I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, but I do like basketball. And for eight years of my adult life, I lived in Chicago when they were that good. So during this season with no basketball, what do you do if you're sad and you miss basketball? Well, you go watch reruns of basketball, right? You see where I'm going here? Uh, So I'm watching these epic moments in sports history, Chicago Bulls sports history, but it's not the same. I'm not gripping the edge of my seats. I'm not holding on for dear life, wondering if they're actually gonna pull it off. I know what's gonna happen. Scotty's gonna hit that jumper. MJ is gonna pull the crossover. Championship number six, here we come. It's not the same. I, I know they're gonna win. I know how it's going to turn out. You know what I think? I think as followers of Christ, we often forget that we're on the winning side. We think somehow that the kingdom's going to get stopped. We think somehow that Jesus is going to get stopped, that the gospel's going to get stopped, that somehow we're going to get defeated. And we live lives of defeat. 
Remember Jesus' words to Peter right at the beginning. He says, I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Shall not prevail against it. The kingdom of God cannot be stopped. But what happens when I forget this? What happens when I forget this, which is often? I know what happens. I begin to live a defeated life. I begin to live with discouragement. I begin to cave into fear. I feel helpless. I cave into sin without even fighting. I forget the promises of God. So what I want to do in the time that we have with Acts 28 today is to demonstrate once again how incredibly unstoppable the kingdom of God really is. What we're going to do is we're going to look at three feeble attempts by the enemy the gates of hell, to try and stop the kingdom. And then we're going to see, stepping back, we're going to see how Jesus is going to plow through every single one of these attempts. And the gospel goes forward and the kingdom advances. So the pattern this morning for us is uh, opposition, opportunity. Opposition, opportunity. Opposition, opportunity. Three times we're going to see this. Let's have a look at the story together. Watch how unstoppable the church is. Verse 1. After we were brought through safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us, because it had begun to rain and was cold. The shipwreck has just happened in Acts 28, and they're coughing, and they're sputtering out salt water, and 276 people, so says Acts 27, 276 people in a miracle from God are saved from the sea. <clears throat> it's cold, though. It's probably the month of October. So they make a fire, and Paul helps. Verse 3. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. It's karma. It's karma, man. This guy is in a shipwreck. He somehow made it ashore. The snake got him for all the bad things he's done. He is going down. Opposition has arrived. God's man with God's message on God's mission is going down. In an ironic twist, he's been bit by a snake. This is it. He's going down. That's what they think. But here's the thing they don't understand. They don't understand this, that when it comes to the kingdom, Snakes can't stop it. Point number one in your outline. When it comes to the kingdom, snakes can't stop it. Verse five says, he, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Snake hiding in the snake, Bites Paul, the locals are waiting, they're watching. Come, come, watch this guy, he just got bit by a snake. You watch him, he's gonna swell up, he's gonna look like a blueberry, and then boom, he's gonna fall over. Watch him. But then nothing happens. And so they change their minds. Nothing happens 
to the man of God. And this makes sense. Do we really think that a snake is going to stop the kingdom of God? A snake tried that before. A snake tempted the master in the wilderness. He struck at his heel as the ancient prophecy from Genesis 3 said. And yes, the master fell, but his fall crushed that serpent and saved us all. And what's more, the master got up from that fall and now reigns in heaven. And that old broken snake is gonna get tossed into the fire soon. Come on, Satan. You're gonna go with the snake thing? You're gonna try the snake thing? You're gonna try to take down Paul, God's man, with a viper bite? Not a chance. No swelling, no sickness, no death. Paul shakes it off because the kingdom can't be stopped. God's man is invincible until God decides otherwise. Now let me apply this. Because this is not a, a, a prescription for us to go around picking up snakes. That's a bad idea. People at home, that's a bad idea. Don't do this. Don't try this at home. No, this is not a prescription for picking up snakes. It's a description, listen, of God's provision and God's care over God's people. God's provision and God's care over God's people despite the circumstances, even in the pain, whatever the circumstances, whatever the painful circumstances. What are the circumstances right now for you? What's pressing on you right now? What's the snake bite? What's the pain? Are you thinking that this is gonna defeat you, child of God? Are you thinking that your God is not with you in this right now, child of God? Are you, are you thinking that, that, that somehow God's not saying to you right now, I got this, I'm all over this, I'm in charge of all of this? Are you forgetting that it wasn't promised to us an easy life? Are you remembering that this life is difficult, that it was promised this way? God's provision and God's care over God's people, even in difficulty. Jesus said this in John 16, in this world you will, will have tribulation. But what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. We're to take heart in this in the pain, in the difficulty, in the circumstances that seek to crush us, we're to take heart and remember God's provision and God's care over his people and remember that the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Snake tossed into the fire, there goes the opposition. Look how God uses Paul now. Here comes the opportunity, verse seven. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entered us entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul prayed and visited him, and putting his hands, one of them snake-bitten, on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people of the island who had diseases also came and were also cured, and they also honored us greatly. And when we were about to set sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Healing Gospel moments, an entire island witness to the power of Jesus Christ. You see, God loves Paul dearly. 
but he also loves the people of Malta. And if it's going to take a storm and a shipwreck and a snake bite to reach them, then that's what he's going to do. So how does God want to use what you're going through? How does God want to use that pain, that difficulty, that trial, that snake bite for his greater glory? Let me ask you the question. Do you, do you view your difficulties and your pain as opportunities to tell people about Jesus? Well, they stayed there for three months, says verse 11. So they're leaving around February or March, end of storm season. Then verse 12, they make it to Syracuse and Sicily. And then verse 13, they hit the toe of Italy in Regium, and then on to Patoli. And then verse 14, we read these words. And so we came to Rome. Rome. Finally, Rome. That's where he was supposed to be all along. A couple times in, in the book of Acts, Paul has been told by the Lord directly that he's going to Rome. Here's a couple of them right here. Uh, right when he was saved, this is said, he is my chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And look at verse uh, Acts 23. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Paul is supposed to go to Rome. God had promised and God had delivered on his promise. Remember how he got there? He was initially accused by the, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem of bringing Gentiles into places where only Jewish people could be, which he didn't do. And then he was accused of speaking against Jewish traditions, which he didn't do. And then he was accused of unrest in Jerusalem, which he didn't do. All of that God uses to get God's man in God's location, the right time. We're told his friends are allowed to visit him in Rome and he's allowed to stay there on his own. He's not locked up in a prison. And then we read this in verse 17. And after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, now here comes the defense. Here, here comes the defense. Remember, he slandered back in Jerusalem. They were trying to kill him in cold blood. And now he's going to speak to the Jewish leaders in Rome and give his defense. Here's his defense, verse 17. Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I've asked to see you and speak with you, because, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. That's the defense, and it's a good one. I'm innocent. I did nothing wrong. I never spoke against the Jewish people or their customs. I'm innocent. The Romans looked at my story and my life, and they declared me innocent as well. I appealed to Caesars because there were some Jewish troublemakers that were trying to kill me when I was released. I'm not pressing any charges against Israel. I only want to be clear of the charges against me, and I brought you here today, Jewish leaders in Rome, so I could tell you the story of the gospel as well since it's because of the gospel and the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Now what I want you to see right here is that the advance of the kingdom of God, even while Paul 
is in chains is happening right here. Even while its servant is manacled, handcuffed, even while he is housebound and freedoms limited, the gospel is going forward. The kingdom of God is advancing. And why is that? Well, because when it comes to the kingdom of God, snakes don't stop it and shackles don't stop it either. You can picture the religious authorities back in Jerusalem when they see Paul go away on the boat, they say something like, ah, there goes that troublemaker. Uh, Bye-bye, Paul. Out of Judea, away from Jerusalem, never coming back to the temple. He's gonna go off to Rome and they'll do the Roman thing and take care of that guy. We are done with him and more importantly, we are done with this Jesus nonsense. And so they do that. And the evil plans of men, as they play out in Paul's life, the providence of God plays out also. And God gets them to do exactly what he wants them to do. And what ends up happening for Paul is that God's man walks guarded by Roman soldiers into Rome, into the center of the Roman Empire. He rents a room sets up shop, and starts meeting with people and sharing the gospel. And the peace of Rome and the communication systems of Rome and the roads of Rome and the common language of Rome all pour fuel on the blazing inferno of the gospel. You can picture it, can't you? The, the Jewish authorities saying, we need to snuff this Paul out. So what we're gonna do is snuff him out and send him to Rome. But trying to snuff out his wick, they end up pouring gasoline all over it and the gospel begins to grow and the gospel begins to expand manacled handcuffed housebound freedoms limited paul preaches the hope of jesus christ because the kingdom of god can't be stopped by shackles you can bind my hands, but you cannot bind the hands of God. You can confine me to quarters, but you cannot confine the moving of the Holy Spirit. Question, have you got that feeling lately of feeling confined? That your hands are tied a bit? Can't see you smiling, I think you are. Can you relate a little bit? Can't fix the situation, can't stop the process, can't escape? feeling like this is beyond your power to correct, confused about what to do next. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what's happening in that confusion. God is still advancing his kingdom. And he's using the circumstances around us to do it today. Don't think for a second that the kingdom of God is on pause in the midst of this. The kingdom of God is moving, and it's moving in your life as well if you'd let it, because God is always working. He's always doing good. Here's a short description of God's job description. How is God doing good? He's advancing his glory by advancing the kingdom in my life and in the world. Those aren't mutually exclusive. God wants great glory for himself, and he's gonna do that by advancing the kingdom in my life and in the world. God wants to move the kingdom forward in my life. Like a good father who takes the hand of a child 
And as the kingdom begins to grow in my life, and as the gospel begins to sink deeply into my life, and as I begin to love Christ more and love the things of the world less, and as I begin to pursue Christ more, the kingdom of God grows in my life. And then God begins to work in me and then through me to the world around me. Here's the reality that scripture speaks of. God's greatest aim in my life is not that I would know his love more. His greatest aim is not that I would have more joy. His greatest aim is not peace or hope in my life. Those are God's desires for me, but they come only as the kingdom of God, as the gospel sinks deep into my life, and as I begin to grow in Christ more. These are byproducts of walking by faith, of holding the hand of a good and kind, amazing God in my life. What's this mean? What's this mean? It means this. In other words, this life that you are living, that we are living, is ultimately about God and not me. But the glorious truth we celebrate is that God has chosen to include us as his children. Listen, you got this feeling that you can't fix the situation, can't stop the process, can't escape, got to wear masks, people getting sick. What are we going to do with our kids this fall? How are we going to make ends meet? Where is this, when is this all going to end? What about that event that I've been looking forward to that's coming up? When am I going to be able to see my family again? When can this go back to being the way it was? Are we going to be okay? The circumstances we're all in. Listen, listen, listen. I say this truth, hard truth, the ear that would hear it, the mature in Christ. If God's greatest design is to advance the kingdom of my life and in the life of others around the world, and there are distractions, and there are diversions, and there are other loves, and those need to be pushed aside for the kingdom of God to advance, then God will push them aside in your life to have more of you and in the world to reach others also. Let me say this. If there was a better way to advance the kingdom of God in 2020 than what we are all experiencing right now, if there was a better way to advance the kingdom than this, don't you think that God would be doing that instead? How has God been trying to get your attention this year? Have you been listening? How has God been working to advance the kingdom, to grow the gospel in your heart and through you this year? Are you listening to him? Listen, I know it's hard to see through circumstances. I'm in it too. I get that. Lord, help us. Lord, help us make this life about you, not about our comforts, not about us, but about our, your glory for our good. The kingdom of God is advancing and shackles can't stop it. God will work in you and through you even if you're locked up. The opposition brings opportunity. Look how things panned out for our boy Paul. The Jewish leaders in Rome say in verse 21, we actually haven't heard anything about you that's bad, Paul. And what's more, verse 22, we actually want to hear this message of the gospel. 
and we'll set a date for it. Then we read this in verse 23. When they, appointed, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Remember, Paul knows his Bible really well. Opening verse after verse, here's Jesus, here's Jesus, here's Jesus, here's Jesus, here's Jesus. What's happening here? Paul is sharing the gospel with the Jewish leaders in Rome. That never would have happened. Open witness of the gospel to those leaders. Chained, but free to preach. Chained, but having lost nothing. Chained, but free in his heart. We step back and look at the opposition again, and we gotta ask the question, come on, Satan, really? You thought chains were gonna stop the kingdom? Don't you remember that the master had his hands nailed to a cross and you pinned and suspended him with hands and feet bound and he still rescued us from death. Forget beating you with one arm tied behind his back, Satan. Jesus, with two hands bound and two feet bound, broke your neck, Satan. You think chains are gonna stop the kingdom of God? You think being locked down is gonna stop the kingdom of God? Not a chance. Paul may be chained, but the gospel is unhindered because the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Take heart, church. Take heart, church. Have hope. Hope. You are on the winning team. But there's more opposition coming. This time, it's flat-out rejection. Verse 24 says, and some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Arguments, again. Opposition, again. Questioned, skeptical responses about Jesus, again. The kingdom moves forward in some lives and brings about opposition in others. Verse 25, and disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. What's that statement? Here it is. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Paul quotes Isaiah here. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, he's the prophet to the rich. Rich, decadent Israel, 800 years before Paul lived. Just a little before Israel was about to be invaded. It's an ancient reference. Imagine quoting something from 800 years ago today. Paul quotes this 800-year-old reference, and they get what it means right away. It's a warning. Isaiah was called to speak to people who wouldn't listen. They had ears, they couldn't hear. They had eyes, they couldn't see. Their hearts were dull and they were blind. And Paul says to the Jewish leaders during this setting, you are in danger of doing the same thing. Healing is right there. Sight is right there. 
Jesus is right there. Life for you to take, but you won't take it. You can't take it because your hearts are so hard. This is very true in our times also, isn't it? Affluent, but deaf. Rich, yet blind. Mocking the hope of Jesus, clutching their gods that cannot save them, taunting the message of the gospel, and all the while wondering why life is so empty and never arriving at the truth of Jesus. And so the only hope of life and salvation is rejected. But, but here's the thing, here's the thing. When it comes to this, the kingdom of God, snakes can't stop it, shackles can't stop it, and scorners can't stop it either. You can reject it, you can mock it, but it does not stop it. Because if you don't want it, someone else does. Verse 28 says, therefore let it be known to you, says Paul, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Listen to these three painful words. They will listen. And the kingdom of God advances. And the message of Jesus Christ reaches hearts of those who will hear it. That this Jesus surrendered his life and his throne on high. His hands and feet were confined as he is nailed to the cross. He walks this sinless life. He suffers scorn at the hands of men. Many came to save. And he hangs upon the cross and pays the punishment for our sin. He's bitten by the snake, as it were, and dies. And yet he rises on the third day and offers life and forgiveness and hope and the kingdom of God to anyone who would follow him. Verse 30, Paul closes. We hear that he lived there for two whole years at his expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's how the book ends. But that's not how the story ends. We just covered the first 30 years. But a lot happens from here on out. Because this isn't a story, the beginning of a story about Paul. It isn't the beginning of a story about Peter. It isn't, it's the beginning of a greater story. It's the beginning of a story of the gospel and the kingdom of God that is advancing. And so, it begins. From Rome, it makes its way all through the Roman Empire into places like Africa and Asia and Europe with men like Ignatius, the martyr Polycarp who would die in Rome, and Clement the Elder. Surviving the persecutions of the Roman emperors Nero and Domitian and Trajan and, and, and Hadrian and Decius and Diocletian, built up by Justin Martyr and Irenaeus, Origen and Tertullian, the church pushes away a thousand heresies because the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Then comes Augustine and Constantine and Athanasia and, and, and the councils of Nicaea and Chalcedon. Rome falls to the vandals, then is rebuilt and then falls again and the kingdom of God could not be stopped. Boniface reaches the Germans, Islam arrives, Patrick reaches the Irish, and the Crusades come. Universities emerge, and Constantinople 
Constantinople falls while the Black Death kills 40% on the continent of Europe and the kingdom of God could not be stopped. The church in Rome decays. Wycliffe translates the Bible into English. Gutenberg invents the printing press. Huss is executed in Bohemia and a German monk stands up for the love of the word of God. Nations rise in the West. England persecutes the Puritans. Bunyan is tossed into jail and the kingdom of God could not be stopped. Europeans settle North America while wars rage back home. Brainerd inspires a generation to reach the lost and a nation is founded. Then enlightenment, then awakenings, then Darwin and Nietzsche and Freud, but the kingdom of God could not be stopped. Then famine, then pestilence, then wars again as the 20th century advances. Then Hitler, then Stalin, then Mao, then Castro, then Tiananmen, then Y2K, then 9-11, then Iraq and Afghanistan, then ISIS, then Boku Haram, then COVID-19, then you and I here today. And the only thing that has stayed constant throughout all of history is the sin and brokenness of mankind and the sin and brokenness of this world and the hope, the eternal hope of Jesus Christ and the truth that the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. You can, you can throw a snake at it. You can chain it up. You can throw scorn all over it, but nothing stops its advance. And why does nothing stop its advance? Nothing stops the kingdom. Because nothing stops the king of kings. They beat him. They killed him. They buried him. They threw a stone over his grave and laughed. And in the greatest comeback in history... He brought himself back to life. Loved ones, if the message of Acts has taught us anything, it's that this life is not about you. Acts is not a biography of Peter or Paul or the early church. It's a story of how Jesus loves the world and how he is reaching the world. This life is about Jesus, and so we take heart even facing difficulties, even facing limitations on freedom, even facing opposition, we know that the Lord is advancing his kingdom in us and in the world right now. That's his plan. And it's perfect. But I don't understand it a lot of days. but I know he wants to do that in my life, and I know he wants to do that in your life as well. We need to lean in. As difficult and as painful as this appointed moment in history can be, we need to lean in and see God work marvels in our hearts as the kingdom advances in us, and then see God work through us as the kingdom of God advances around us. And may millions come to know him.